We are back in our Sunday morning series, Charting Your Course. Charting Your Course. Pastor, thank you for your heart to bring this series to our church family, and thank you for the opportunity to share God's word this morning. So the last couple weeks, I've been looking at the guy in this picture. I have a lot of questions. I have a lot of questions. The guy is in a rowboat, uh, and he's wearing dress pants, and he's got a uh, you know, slim fit shirt on, and he's stuck. He's stuck in the rowboat, and uh, the, cir- the sharks are, are circling the rowboat. And I know that time is not on this guy's side. Time is not on his side. The tide is probably going to rise sometime soon. Maybe that's how he got stuck there in the first place, tide rapidly declining, I don't know. Uh, We also know that if he doesn't do something soon, dehydration is going to set in. It's probably sunny out and the sun beating down. Right now the water is calm, but what we know about being along the coast is that calm can change quickly and the storm can come. And this guy is appears to be thinking, how did I end up here? How did I get here? And man, does that resonate with any of us today? What we see happening in our world, in our country, our state, our city, we think, how did we get here? How did we get here? How did the situation end up the way that it is? Like the guy standing on the rock, you're thinking, how do we get here? The peace, the safety, the security of the shore feels so far away. So the friend in this picture is confronted with a challenge that we face a version of in our life. How do we navigate through the sharks with the boat pointed toward the shore? How do we get there? So if we think of the sharks in our life, in our world, things like division between people, anxiety, stress, pressure, worry, anger, sickness, separation, frustration. If those are the sharks, for the purpose of today's conversation, let's think of the shore, the shore as the finish line of this life. The moment when life this side of eternity ends, our physical death, your reaction might be, well, that's kind of a depressing way to think of it. Why would we say we don't reach the shore until this life ends? Well, as long as we're living this side of eternity, there are going to be sharks. There's always going to be stress. There's always going to be pressure. There's always going to be worry. There's always going to be current events that upset us. There will always be doctor's reports that we wish could be a little bit better. There will will always be things that we would change, we'd say, if we were in charge. So if we live our life just waiting for the sharks to go away, I'll have joy when this happens. I'll have Peace when this political party is in power. There will be security when this, whatever this is, finally gets resolved. Now, maybe you are the exception. It's possible that you are the exception. But for most of us, if we are living our life waiting for all the sharks to go away, it's a wait that will never end. So let's talk about how we can have life, and as the Bible tells us, have it to the full, 
how to experience purpose, peace, and joy despite the sharks. A question we wrestle with, and this is all people, not just Christians, in the precious time that we have on this earth, how do I survive, even thrive, with all the sharks in the water? Thinking about how to navigate the sharks, there are many ideas. Maybe wealth. Perhaps if I, be, if I can build a big enough boat, the sharks won't be able to reach me. Education. Maybe if I accumulate enough diplomas, I can outsmart the sharks. How about power or influence? Perhaps if I am able to bring enough people around me, some of them may be uh, attacked by the sharks, but they'll insulate me and I'll be safe. How about health? If I'm able to do enough push-ups and eat enough kale chips, maybe I can outswim the sharks. Or then there are pleasures like drinking, drugs, sex, vacations. That's saying, I know the sharks are there. I know they're not going away. But maybe I can numb the pain or find some sort of escape to just feel like the sharks aren't there anymore. Now, some reach a point where they would say, I just cannot take it anymore. And they reach the warped, devastating conclusion that the way to make it from sharks to shore is to shortcut this life. Suicide can be viewed as a shortcut to the shore. In fact, in this current world reality that we're living in, COVID-19 and suicide has been called the crisis within the crisis. If you have wrestled with any of those thoughts, we want you to know that God loves you. God loves you. He sees the suffering you're facing. No one else may see it. No one else may understand. But God sees the suffering that you're facing. God has a plan for your life. God has a plan for your life. It is your loving Heavenly Father's desire to walk this with you. It's not too far gone. It may feel like you're alone, but you're not. It may feel like no one cares, but that's not true. If you are wrestling with any suicidal thoughts, we want you to know that the pastors, myself, pastor, the, our pastoral staff, we're here for you. We want to pray with you. We are for you. When we think about life sharks and the shores, the hope that we have for eternity, what is the best way to survive and even thrive knowing that until we reach the shore, there will always be sharks? We're about to see how Paul, the one who used to hate Christians and then became a Christian, Paul, the missionary, the church starter, the evangelist, the pastor, we're about to see how Paul instructs Christ followers to cut through the confusion and set your sights on what is most important. Chart your course. And we're going to see how Paul confronts possibly well-intentioned people, possibly well-intentioned, well-meaning voices who were getting this wrong. Here's the message that Paul, here's the message that was push, pushed by a group of influencers that was coming up against Paul. When, when Paul shared the message of hope, these people would come in behind and offer a, a twisted version or a counter message to what Paul was preaching. And the particular group that we're looking at today, they're called the Judaizers. The Judaizers. The Judaizers taught that Christians must conform to the Old Testament law to be right with God. 
Their message was to be in right relationship with God. You need a combo, a combo of God's grace and good works, a combo of faith in Christ and following the rules. Now, come on, church. Combos are good for the drive-through, but that's not what following Christ is all about. One of the essential works the Judaizers pushed for, circumcision for every Christian man. Faith in Christ isn't enough, they said. It needs to be faith plus circumcision. Pretty interesting church growth strategy. Versions of faith plus works, this teaching followed Paul as he started churches throughout the Roman Empire. Whenever Paul went through somewhere, a version of this battle would come up against Paul. Today we're looking at how this played out in a community called Galatia about 2,000 years ago. And if you've brought your word with you, I invite you to open up or power up to Galatians chapter 3. Galatians chapter 3. And if you can choose this morning, we're going to be looking at the ESV version. So get ready. Here comes Paul. Galatians chapter 3, beginning today in verse 11. Now it is evident, Paul writes. Now it is evident that no one is justified before God by the law. For the righteous shall live by faith. But the law is not of faith. Rather, the one who does them shall live by them. Paul tells us, Paul writes, no one is justified by the law, by the rules. There are people who are on the outside of Christianity looking in who think to be a good, to be a good Christian is to follow a set of rules out of God's great rule book. To be a good Christian is to be a good rule follower. And they'd say, I don't want to live by the rules. The rules feel too restrictive. The rules would hold me back from some of the pleasures that I enjoy. They might say, I've heard someone talk about the rules, and to me, the rules sound outdated. I don't agree with the rules. Whatever that is, they'd say, it's not for me. So some might say or think to be a Christian is to navigate the sharks of this world by trying to be the best rule follower, to do your best to live by the law. They might say, if being a Bible rule follower helps you make it through the day and that's good for you, then keep on doing what you're doing, but it's not for me. If your thought is that being a Christian is all about trying to be the best rule follower, man, my heart breaks for you because you are missing out. Paul writes, it is evident that no one is justified before God by following the law. Now, the law is not bad. The law is good. It's actually perfect. It's from God. It was his idea. It's his standard of living. Now, don't miss this. We desire to live God's way because he loves us and we love him back. We don't follow the law to earn God's love. In a good family relationship, children do not follow their parents' rules to try to earn mom and dad's affection. Rather, in a good family relationship, sons and daughters love mom and dad, and ideally, parents are with me, ideally, they are living within mom and dad's boundaries because they trust mom and dad, put those boundaries in place out of love, for protection, and for long-term success. Now, for some... Sons and daughters, we don't fully understand that until we become parents ourselves. 
Well, this is how it is with our Heavenly Father. We desire to live God's way because he loves us and we love him back. With that said, right standing with God does not come from following the law. The righteous, you already did this once, the righteous shall live by faith. So what is faith? Well, the Bible gives us this great definition of faith in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. Many of you have memorized this verse. Now, faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. When we talk about what faith is, your reaction to some of these things that I, I'm about to say will be shaped by where you are in your faith journey. With some of the things that I'm about to say, if you've been a follower of Christ for a long time, you will say, yes, I've experienced that, I've lived that, amen, hallelujah. And actually, you are invited to say amen. Now, others of you, if you are new or newer in your faith journey or you're exploring this, when I list some of these things, you might say, I'm beginning to see that happen in my life. I'm excited about where this is going. However, I perhaps still have some questions, and that's okay. So here's what those of us who have been Christ followers for a while have learned. We are assured of what we cannot see. Being saved, being redeemed and restored by Christ, it's not something we can hold in our hands, keep in a box or hang on the wall. But faith in Christ gives us an assurance that our sins are forgiven and we are made right with God. We can not measure faith in a laboratory, but we can understand it, we can sense it spiritually. Faith is trusting that God is aware and he's working in whatever it is that you face. Faith is trusting that God's ways are good and always the best way. Faith is trusting that God's ways are good and always the best way, even when it doesn't make sense to our family and friends and those around us. And you know what? Sometimes as acts of faith, we do things God's way, even when it doesn't make sense to us in the moment. Faith drives us to deeper relationship with God. Faith in Christ brings joy, peace, and purpose, even in the face of challenges, even in the face of difficulties, even in the face of persecution, the sharks. Faith opens our eyes to evil in this world. We begin to see things the way that God sees them. Faith equips us, empowers us to reject the temptations that have the potential of destroying us. Many of us as followers of Christ, we would look at what's happening in our world and we see the evil. And it can be frustrating because we think, how come no one else or how come everybody doesn't see what's going on here? We see the trajectory of what will happen if decisions that are being made keep being made in the same thread. We see where it's going. And we think, how come everybody doesn't see it? Do you know why you see it? Because faith has opened your eyes. Through faith, God has equipped you and empowered you to see it the way that he sees it. So back to the one who sees following Christ as being limited to following the rules. The one who sees Christianity as a system of rule following and law obeying. They would say, that doesn't sound like freedom. And you know what? We would agree. That doesn't sound like freedom. It sounds more like a curse. Well, check out what Paul writes next in verse 13. Christ 
redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree. So how can the law, which is good, which is perfect, and is from God, how can the law be a curse? Follow me here. Curse in this situation means to know the consequences we will suffer as a result of what we've done. The curse in this situation means to know and understand the consequences that we will suffer as a result of what we have done. The law is God's standard of living. We read the law, you can read the law in the Old Testament. When we read the Old Testament law, we immediately realize how far short we fall of God's amazing standard. And we begin to understand the curse or the consequence of our sin is an eternal separation from God. The curse of sin is eternal separation from God, spiritual death in this awful, terrible place called hell. I say, thank God that he reveals to us how clearly, so clearly, that we are separated from him. Thank you, God, for showing us what your standard is, and thank you for revealing to me that I fall short of that standard. So that because I understand that I fall short of God's glorious standard, I realize my need for a savior. And here is the good news. The curse or the consequence is not the end of our life story with Jesus. Paul writes, Christ redeemed us from the curse. How? By becoming the curse for us. Christ suffered that death on my behalf and your behalf. The relationship with our Heavenly Father that is broken by our sin is restored by his love and by the sending of his Son, Jesus Christ. And we're no longer under a curse. We're blessed. We're blessed. Blessed with what? Paul is about to describe the blessing that we experience as a result of restored life through Christ as the blessing of Abraham. Do you remember what Paul wrote to the church in Rome about Abraham? Romans 4.3, Abraham believed God and God counted him as righteous because of his faith. Are you catching the theme of the day? God counted Abraham as righteous because of his rule following? No. God counted Abraham as righteous because of his wealth? No. God counted Abraham as righteous because of his education, his influence, or his health? No. God counted Abraham as righteous because of his faith. So back to the letter to the church in Galatia. Remember I said that Paul was going to refer to this blessing that you and I have today as the blessing of Abraham, Galatians 3.14, so that in Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles so that we might receive the promised spirit through faith. What this means, Christ's followers are blessed through Abraham because Jesus is a descendant of Abraham. You can read the genealogy right there in Matthew chapter 1. Through Jesus, any person can be forgiven and be in God's kingdom. 
we receive the spiritual blessing of being in right standing with God, not because we've done such a wonderful job of following the rules, but because of our faith. And in that way, we are like Abraham. The blessing of Abraham is also for the Gentiles. Now, when Paul wrote this, some of the Jews in the original audience would have become a little revved up. Why would this be upsetting to them? See, Gentiles would be anyone who is not of Jewish heritage. Most of us in this room would be in that category. We would be Gentiles. It was very much a part of the traditional Jewish culture during these times to consider all other backgrounds less than. And within culture, the value of your life was considered less if you were Greek, if you were a slave, if you were a woman. But based on what Paul writes, not so anymore. Galatians chapter 3, verses 28 and 29. There is neither, or neither, depending on how you say it, there is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free. There is no male and female. You are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ's, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to promise. Jesus elevated people who were considered less than. Jesus lifted up people who were pushed to the sideline. Jesus gave value to people who were considered property. Jesus broke down racial, economic, and gender barriers. It's possible that you have been made to feel that you are less than. It's possible that you have been made to feel that your worth is not as great as someone else because of your race, because of your economic status, because of your background, or because of your gender. Please, take comfort and press into the words of Paul, you are all one in Christ Jesus. So he said, as long as we are this side of eternity, there are going to be sharks. So what is God's plan to survive and even thrive until we reach the shore? It's not going to be the one who does the most good deeds. It's not going to be the accumulation of wealth. It's not going to be the one who has the most friends. It's not going to be the one who's the best rule follower. Here it is. It's faith. Faith is God's plan to survive the sharks and thrive until you reach the shore. Now, I realize today as we've been talking about sharks that you have to listen to the whole message. If you take some sound bites, some of this is not going to make a whole lot of sense. Faith that we are made right in God's eyes by placing trust in Jesus. Faith that no matter what happens, we win. Because when we reach the shore, when this life ends, we will be in the place where God is. We will be in the place where God's creation is perfect and uncorrupted by sin. When this life ends, there will be no more pain, no more death. The sun and moon will no longer be necessary because God will be the only light that we need. And charting your life course, placing any pursuit above faith in Christ will ultimately lead to disappointment. 
And disappointment may not be a strong enough word. It may be worse. Some of us have found this out the hard way, pursuing wealth, health, education, influence, relationships, even following the rules above following Christ. What some of us have tasted is that achieving whatever those goals were did not bring the satisfaction and fulfillment that we thought that it would. And there was a cost. There was a suffering in family and friendships, people close to you. You wish that you could have some of that time back that you spent sacrificing for a pursuit that ultimately came up empty. Now, wealth. There is nothing wrong with being wealthy. Some have been even given the gift of generosity. There is wisdom in saving for retirement, but a large 401k will not get you to the shore. Education, why would anybody be against that? We certainly want our surgeon to have a doctorate in medicine, but diplomas cannot save us from the shark. Influence with people, relationships are good, but your friends and family cannot get you into heaven. As much as your praying grandmother wishes that she could make the decision for you, we got some grandmas in the house today, you wish that you could pray that prayer of salvation on behalf of your children, grandchildren, and great-grandchildren. And as much as it breaks your heart, you can't do it for them. They have to make the decision for themselves. Now, keep on praying. We know that there are Christ-following kids and grandkids today because of praying grandparents. Pray them into heaven. Keep praying for them. Vacation and travel. Good things. Good for refreshing and charging and recharging. But even the most incredible heaven-on-earth destinations are not heaven. No amount of frequent flyer miles or points will put us in right standing with God. Faith cannot be purchased, sold, or given away. Live your life pursuing Christ. Allow your faith to increase in you what is good and what is from God. And through that faith relationship, allow God to continuously work in you, to decrease, to remove what is selfish and ultimately useless and even destructive. All right. So back to our guy on the rock. Looking at the guy on the rock. Back to our guy on the rock. Looking at the shark, infested waters, looking at the shore somewhere in the distance. The tide is rising. Can't stand the rock. The two verses that are at the center of our pastor's heart, as God gave him the vision for this message series, Proverbs 21, verses 30 and 31, there is no human wisdom or understanding or counsel that can prevail against the Lord. The horse is prepared for the day of battle, but deliverance and victory belong to the Lord. This is good, my friends. Facing the sharks, there's no plan that people or the enemy can come up with that could overpower or outsmart God. The horse is prepared for battle, facing the sharks. Do you know what? God gave that guy the boat. God gave him the oars. And it looks like he's in pretty good shape. God gave him some muscles to move that boat. Some people complain. All these sharks. If I had that boat, I would be okay. If I had those people with me, I'd be all right. I don't have this. I don't have that. If I only could, if I had... Look at what they have. What about this? Thank you, God, for the boat. 
Thank you, God, for the oars. Thank you, God, for the physical strength. Thank you, God, that the waters are calm. Father, with you on my side, I can do this. It's time to put the boat in the water. It's time to aim it towards the shore. It's time to get to work, not because it's required for God to love us, but because we want to utilize the precious time that God has given us to be a difference maker. Now here is a point that some of you have already made in your mind when you're thinking about sharks. Even if you just know a little bit about sharks, you know that most sharks are not deadly. Shark attacks are rare. You are more likely to die in a fireworks accident than in the teeth of a shark. How about this? You are even more likely to die taking a risky selfie with your phone than in a shark attack. So sometimes we can get all worked up because we see all the sharks. We think it's all going to destroy us. It's all going to ruin us. It's going to be the end. There's no way we're going to make it. But some of you have lived a few years, and what have you learned? All those sharks that you get all worked up about that you think are going to destroy us, you know what? You made it. With God on your side, you made it. As we close today, I was thinking about this rowing the boat to get to the shore in the dangerous waters. How many of you have rowed a boat at some point in your life? Most of us, all of us. When you're rowing your boat, do you face the destination? No, you face backwards, right? Whoosh, whoosh. But as you are moving the boat, do you like the sound effect? Whoosh. What do you have to do? You look over your shoulder to make sure you're going in the right direction. Whoosh. You're making sure you're going in the right way. And then you get back to work. You are looking over your shoulder at where you're going and you're making present decisions based on your destination. We are not going to be destroyed by the sharks. We're going to use what God gave us to be difference makers. As we row the boat, the We don't have to always be looking at the shore to know that it's there. We have faith that it's there even when we can't see it, right? We're rowing. We're making decisions in the present. We're allowing our future destinations to shape our actions now. Now, what happens if you're rowing your boat? And you forget to look over your shoulder. What happens? You get off course and you realize, oh, I'm way off course. I'm going parallel to the shore. I'm not going in the right direction. We have to keep our eyes on the destination to inform our present actions. I'm going to ask you if you would, with me for a moment, if you would close your eyes and just begin to reflect on what God is doing in your heart today. And some of us are possibly thinking, yeah, there, this makes sense. Rowing the boat, making present decisions based on future actions. And you'd say, that's how you've been living your life for years or even decades. But I do believe that there are others who are in this room who will be in this place today who are watching online, 
who would say, you know what, I've been doing a lot of rowing. I've been doing a lot of work. I'm stressed out about the water, but I don't really have a destination. You'd say, I'm longing for that purpose. You might say, I've tried some of these other pursuits that you've talked about, and what I've tasted is that they have ultimately come up short. I believe that God has brought you into this place today so that you could clearly hear the message of hope, so that you could clearly hear that being a Christ follower is not about being the best rule follower of some big rule book. We are made right with God by faith. And so for you, today is the day that you may say, I'd like to give my life to Christ. Let me just ask this question. If today is the day that you'd say, I would like for my boat to be pointed towards the shore, I'd like to be moving in the direction of my heavenly father, Today is the day that I would like to give my life to Christ. Would you right now, right where you are, just lift up a hand and look at me so that I can see you? Who in this room? I see you, sir. Thank you. Who else? Any others in this room? Thank you. To make a decision for Christ today, it's very, it's, it, it is a simple action, but it means everything. Right where you are, in your own words, say, Father, that's right, right where you are, say, Father, forgive me of my sins. Tell God, tell your heavenly Father, this is a conversation between you and him, tell your heavenly Father, Father, I realize that my sins separate me from you. And that's right, say, God, I realize that all these pursuits that I've been after my whole life, they've come up short. Today is the day Tell God, today is the day that I declare Jesus Christ as the Lord of my life. And then thank your heavenly Father for forgiving you of your sins through the ultimate act of love, the sending of his son, Jesus Christ, the suffering on the cross, and the defeat of death 